Hi guys, welcome to In Our Community Podcast, where we interview ordinary people doing extraordinary things in their communities. I'm your host, Coach Hitty from Resurrection Movement Studio. This is episode 24 of this podcast, and it's actually a very special episode. Pastor David Laser, who I've had on the podcast before from Trinity United Methodist, and myself had the opportunity to present in front of the 4-H leadership team uh, on the topic of how to lead the next generation. Listeners, as you know, I have a strong passion for working with today's youth, and I dove right in to some resources and did our own surveys to come up with, and pulling from our own experiences too, to come up with a presentation on this topic. I do have to warn you that the podcast today is about an hour long. We used the podcast as, as a prep for the presentation last week, and we covered everything. It's still raw uh, at the time of the recording. But if you have any questions or comments, please let us know as we hope to improve this presentation over time and have more opportunities to present on this topic. If you enjoy the show, please don't forget to subscribe to our show and give us a five-star rating on the iTunes. Let's get started. Today's going to be a little bit of a different podcast. Um, Pastor David Laser and I are doing a presentation on titled How to Lead the Next Generation at a 4-H uh, leadership conference this Saturday, February 22nd, right? Is that when that yeah. is? Yeah, today's the 20th. Oh, man. So that means it's the 22nd crazy. on Saturday. Well, February's almost over. Wow. All right, so Happy hello. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> hello. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. It's um, good to be here. Yeah. So we're going to just kind of, we, we're going to use this as a run through, but I thought it would be a great information to share to our listeners on what we're talking about. Because basically um, what it is, is we have a passion for youth um, and we do work with youth on a daily basis, as well as we pulled some resources from our readings to refer back to, to kind of concrete our thoughts um, and try yes. to present it to the greater population to try and see if this could be beneficial to those who are listening to the podcast. Uh, so brief introduction of ourselves so then listeners can see that like we're not just like talking about this because we want to but we also have experience in this field yeah uh, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself Pastor sure Dan? hi uh, it's good to be back on the podcast a few months later <laughs> um, my name is David Laser. I am the pastor at Trinity United Methodist Church here in Danville and um, most of my experience before coming here to Danville was specifically with children and youth. Mm. So I was uh, like an associate pastor in Halifax, the great country of Halifax, the land of Halifax, not Nova Scotia, mm. but Pennsylvania, about an hour from here. And um, at that church, I, I specifically focused on children and youth ministries. Mm. So for about eight years, um, I led programs in our church and in our community, you know, that would connect with the teenagers and, and children of that mm. community and their parents and their families. Um, and even before that, in college for several years, I was a youth intern. So mm. my wife, Emily, and I both have been like working with teenagers and children since we were That's awesome. 19. So That's great. It's just been a big part of our lives and it continues to be a big focus of ours today. Absolutely. Even as we're getting older <laughs> <laughs> and older and older. And as listeners, you guys know, I'm Hitty. And Hi, Hitty. I, Hello. Um, I work with youth on a daily basis. If I really think hard about it, I think I work with more youth than adults mm -hmm. on my daily basis. Mm -hmm. I have a passion. You know, somebody asked me recently, said, what do you love the most out of all the things that I do? Mm -hmm. And the answer was really quick and short and simple is 
I love working with kids. I just like, that's, cool. that's my passion. That's where my heart is. So, you know, we have the commotion dance program, which has a, up to 250 dancers. And then, you know, we do your youth training. So mm-hmm. I'm in contact with youth on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, and so that's where my passion, and then I've always involved, I've always been involved with the youth and working with the youth as well. So that's always been where my mind has kind of been set. I love seeing on your, um, social media when you post about, you know, doing something interesting with your interns mm-hmm. sort of like raise, building them up and giving them opportunities to grow and lead. And it's really cool seeing, you know, you just put every once in a while the encouraging post about like a high school student who's made a bunch of yeah. progress towards their athletic goals or, you know, that I, I love seeing that stuff. I think yeah. that's cool. How you and do you know, that. that's like, um, and a woman, we'll talk about this later on the, in the, in the podcast and the presentation, but it's a lot of things that we discover comes from our reflection of how we've worked with kids and just yeah. kind of assessing like what's really worked. Yeah. And what also hasn't worked because yeah. it hasn't been a smooth sailing. At right. least I can say from my personal experience, Same. it's just like a lot of trial and error and kind of figuring how it works. Anybody who works mm-hmm. with young people will mm-hmm. say that Absolutely. if they're honest, it's trial and error and you make mistakes right. and you learn and you grow. Yeah. And so just to connect the dots, I mean, like seven common challenges we face working mm-hmm. with the youth. Um, this is something that we just came up with, just kind of putting our heads together. It's like, what are some common challenges that we face? Number one, getting them to show up, getting them involved. Yes. Right. A lot of the activities that Mm. we offer wouldn't happen unless they show up. Yeah. Number two, wondering if what you do makes a difference. Yes, absolutely. You just never know. Um, and you can hope that it does, but you know, that's, that's a challenge in itself. Number three, competing with their busy schedules. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see a lot of listeners nodding their heads probably mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I imagine so um, and number four not getting through to them uh, whatever you're trying to teach them you feel like you're not being effective in what you're trying to teach number five parental over or under involvement sometimes the parents can be a little tricky and I'm sure there are parents listening there as well and I know it's completely unintentional uh, but that could be a challenging in itself as a, uh, a program that's trying to work with kids mm-hmm. Uh, number six, wondering what's really going on underneath the surface. The kids yeah. are really good at masking how they feel yes. today and really trying to understand them uh, takes time and effort. Mm-hmm. And number seven, lastly, uncontrollable negative societal slash cultural influences. You know, it's we're in the click culture, right? So and then everything pops up on their screen and could be positive or negative uh, influences on them that we really have no control over. Yeah. There's those times you think I have an hour a week with this student and I'm doing everything I can to positively influence them. Mm-hmm. But you learn of these factors in their culture, their world, their life, their family, and you just feel helpless. You're like, I can't change that. What can I do? You know? Yeah. So and overall, working with youth today is very hard and it takes patience. Correct. It takes effort. So we're going to kind of break down, break all that barrier mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. Um as we go through this podcast, through our presentation. So pastor, do you want to go ahead and define the generations? So you I'll do that. To, yeah. I got my it. notes here. <laughs> checking it out. So, uh, listeners, you can just raise your hand. If one of these applies to you, no, you don't have to do that, especially if you're driving. Uh, <laughs> but you, if you research the generational differences, you'll get different numbers, slightly different numbers of when it starts, when it ends. Um, but the general consensus is about, what we're going to share here. If if you were born between 1946 and 1964, you are a baby boomer. Yeah. Born right after world war Mm two. 
Um, I'm sure we got some baby boomers involved. Yeah, hopefully listening to the show. Listen to the show, (laughs) going to uh, Commotion Studio. Yeah. I definitely have baby boomers at my church, of course. Yeah. Um, My parents are baby boomers. Hmm. You probably are too, right? I don't know. Would they be? I, I, I have to think of their birth year. That's hard to know. <laughs> Just admitted that, right? Do you know what, when were your parents born? Okay, don't. Don't I'm question not sure me. I feel confident about that either. It's like I'm a year or two off or on. Anywho, the next generation, uh, roughly between 1965-1979, is considered Generation X, which is they get the cool title. Mm-hmm, they do. Why is that? Or the 13ers. Mm-hmm. I think that's because it's like. Is it 13 years? years between, yeah. Yeah. I, that, that has to be it. I didn't do too much research. 65 on that. to 79 in years would be 13 instead of 14. I, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Hmm. 1980 to 2000, the best generation, the millennials, right. because that's the generation we're in. Mm-hmm. Not oh. that's the generation everybody likes to to down on. Lately, right, right, right. That's we've us. had to kind of or prove the them wrong. It's true. Some of the things we've definitely earned, others have been uh, maybe misconceptions. But that's mm-hmm. millennials or Generation Y. Mm-hmm. And uh, now the most current, recent however you want to say it, generation of, of today, uh, from about 2000, from the turn of the millennium to present, uh, so 20 years old and younger for the most part, give or take, is known as Generation Z. Yeah, and that's the topic of our conversation That's today. today's topic. And two stats, do you want me to throw those in? Yeah, that are really go for significant? it. Go here's, for it. Here's one reason of many that this matters, that yeah. you should know about Generation Z um, because... In 2017, what they found was that Generation Z constitutes 25% of the U.S. population, one quarter. But that same study said that by the end of 2020, in other words, that by the end of this year, it's estimated that about 40% of the United States population, 40% of our population in this country will be Generation Z. That's big. So that just matters. Yeah, I mean that's that's a big number of the population that yeah. we're we'll dealing with, and I don't, and that's something that I didn't know until we started doing some research and reading books, and those are numbers that were thrown us to by a book called Generation Z. Mm. Um, we read three books. We did three books, but there's a lot uh, more out there. Definitely for sure, we could have done even more if we really mm. wanted to, but we we're kind of on a time crunch, so. That's just, that. you know, <laughs> let, let that number just sink in for a little bit. Forty percent of the population—that's a lot. So along with our, you know, research on the books, you know, when we were presented with this idea of presenting on this topic, I wanted to make sure that we did our dues in bringing in the best, you know, information that's out there, because obviously we have a heart for this. You know, what is our motive? Our motive is basically we love these youth, this next generation, the Generation Z. We want them to get the best of the older generation and Mm -hmm. make sure that like we're connecting. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a disconnect that's happening. So to see and understand what kind of disconnect or how much disconnect, um, the idea we came up with initially is let's do a survey. Let's do a survey to Generation Z and survey about Generation Z. So how this happened was we sent out two different surveys, uh, one to Generation Z population. So that's kids younger than 20 years old. And then to the older generation about Generation Z on how they perceive Generation Z. So and and the mm. turnout was pretty drastically different. I can't say that the it was uh, the, the the results we received were equal. We had about 65 participants <coughs> and increasing actually at this moment. Um, 
participants in the survey about Generation Z, we only have about 20 participants in Generation Z survey. But my assumption is my I is that no matter how many responses we get, it won't skew the data too much. I think we have enough to say. We like, can see okay, the trends. Yeah, we can see We've the trends. We've seen them in experience. We mm -hmm. People will probably resonate with these answers because mm -hmm. they see them too. Mm -hmm. And the survey entailed about eight questions and we kind of pulled samples of the answers to use for this presentation. And really it was eye-opening, I would say, mm -hmm. uh, on both ends. So we want to kind of cover that a little bit to show some data, to show you what's going on here. Um, the first question that I asked in the survey was, I asked each party to describe Generation Z. Uh, and the words that were described, I'm going to share some with you. The words used by the older, older generations to describe Generation Z. There was about 15 people who said too much technology, social media reliant. There were about oh, 12 also that says entitled. Some other repeat words that were used repeatedly, tech savvy, lazy, antisocial, anxious, independent, overwhelmed, overprotected, spoiled, materialistic, selfish, sensitive, disconnected, opinionated, and busy. Mm. Now, I had one of my interns analyze this data, and as she was going through this list, she said to me, she's like, wow, the older generations really don't like us. Mm. That was her immediate like response. When and she, she is a Gen Z. She right? is a Gen Z. Mm -hmm. And I told her to try to, you know, like, try to look at it subjectively and just kind of look at it as a data. Um, yeah. But then she also went on to do the survey from Gen Z in the same term. So the words that Gen Z used to describe themselves, uh, some of the re words that were repeated, phone obsessed, lazy, antisocial, emotionally disconnected, mm -hmm. independent, improving, tech savvy, and influential. Mm -hmm. So she was like, well, it's kind of like similar to yeah. what the older generation, how the older generation described us. So I just mm -hmm. kind of did a little math, right? Compare the both results, and I found that there were 84 negative words that described Generation Z from the older generations, um, and there are 22 negative words that described negatively about Gen Z from the Gen Z. But percentage-wise, they were about 65% on both parties. Yeah. So negative. Negative. Both Which parties, 65% of the words used were, were negative. Negative. Yes. Opposed to from positive. a total data. And that's really sad. Like, if you think about this generation, they yeah. feel a lot of pressure. They yeah. have negative image of themselves. A lot of kids are suffering from anxiety and depression. That Those are real things, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, those are things that really needs to be addressed. And you start to wonder why. And all these words that describe them, even self-describe, or are used to, you know, describe them, have negative connotation, which, you know, which, which is a sad reality to face. Why do you think that is? If you have to like, why, why, why might that be? I think there's just so much information out there to compare yourself to unconsciously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's driving them into that direction. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like I wonder how much of it is taking what is put upon them and internalizing it. Like, are they giving those negative words mm. because they've heard that spoken over them by mm. other generations mm -hmm. versus how much of their own observation of themselves and one another is that too and i would i would imagine it's a little bit of both mm -hmm. I agree. because some of these things like you said they have access to all this information and comparisons of their peers and 
the world at large. And so it is easy to, to dwell on the negative things that are happening because mm-hmm. it's noisy. The negative stuff's noisy, but how much of it is too, that they just are, they're, they're soaking in what other generations are dishing out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> it's true. So like, it was just a sad reality to face that these are the words. It is interesting to look at some of the positive things that popped up, yeah. like that they recognize that they are influential because mm-hmm. they are that, that, 40% of the population group mm-hmm. could be anybody. really influences yeah. society. And yeah. also it just depends on how you look at it. Right. Cause I look at too much technology and tech savvy as like basically the same thing. It's just yeah. whether you look at it as a positive or negative. Yep. So it all based on how you look at technology uh-huh. personally to see like if that's a positive yeah. thing or negative thing. Yeah. So very interesting data. Yeah. Now the next one, um, <clears throat> that here, if you're seeing well, the slash, the data, see, yeah. what we, what we saw in this small group we, where we surveyed people <coughs> in this community yeah. seems to be reflective of the data we've seen nationally. Absolutely. Do you agree? Absolutely. Like from the books we've read and the yep. studies, these large surveys done, it's pretty much looks mm-hmm. similar, you mm-hmm. know, not that we've analyzed it with the fine tooth comb, but the trend <laughs> seemed the same. Yes, absolutely. Just to put that in there. So the next bar graph that I created shows how important social media is to the different generations. And what's interesting in this bar graph is if you listen, if you're able to see this, it's about the same. Um, the answers were separated by yes, very important, important, uh, not important at all. Um, you know, they don't use it, that kind of stuff. Most of both generations, um, fit into the important category. So the important answers include an important, but, I can go a day or two without it, hmm. right? Hmm. And both generations, Generation Z and the older generations, describe it as social media as that. Which I think if the older generations saw this data, like the bar graph, they'll be like, no way. <laughs> but the response was equal, which I thought yeah. found it to be really, really fascinating. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Quick now, uh, yeah. test for you like if you're not generation z like how much you uh know about them or identify with them i feel like you could like three little quick cultural things mm-hmm. if you have a a tiktok account or you know what it is or a snapchat and if you like billy eilish yeah <laughs> are <that's> three <laughs> those are three those things, are three things like that'll you. show you how much you resonate and identify mm-hmm. with generation z <laughs> right absolutely those are three key, key yeah, points, yeah yeah just for sure things yeah, I don't have a TikTok. I don't I, have a Snapchat. My wife has Snapchat. Huh. I just don't have the time for it, but I yeah. don't mind it. Yeah, I, and I, I'm kind of neutral about Billie Eilish. <laughs> She's very talented. I just don't know if I get if I, I get like it. Billie's music. Um, I do Probably have fun to t- dance to. Yeah, and I do. I, I think I could appreciate a, it if I got into it. And just. Yeah, she's yeah. a. But it is. But it is like you cool look chick. at her, and she's a different kind of artist. She than, is. She's unique. She's for sure, and she very much, sort of. Uh, represents some of the cultural mm-hmm. traits of Gen Z. Anyway, For sure. Won a bunch of Grammys. Was like yeah. the youngest person to, I think, win Album of the Year and Artist of the Year yeah. ever. Her music is good. <laughs> there, so, you, so you identify a lot of Generation Z by that test. Well, I think <laughs> it's because I'm around them a lot. Yeah. So I'm exposed I to their you. culture. Mm-hmm. And so like as part of, you know, part of the solution that we present is like, you have to understand their culture mm-hmm. first. You don't mm-hmm. have to agree with it. 
right? Yeah. You don't have to yeah. do everything that they're doing or you don't have to agree with it. Yeah, and don't try to be cool. Right. Don't try to like do everything they do just but because. At, but yeah. at, at the least, you have to understand their today's culture. Yes. That's, I think that's really, really important. Yep. Um, because here, that's a good segue into the next there slide, you go. right? I did that on purpose. Dude, that was awesome. No, I didn't. So the next survey analysis that we did was, do you feel understood by the older generation and do you understand generation g yeah. so and i know this is like a really this is happening like i know the listeners you're gonna have to like turn everything off and kind of try to follow along on our conversation but so the survey about generation z to the older generation the response was we i i somehow somewhat understand that yes that was the biggest majority actually it was like 69 percent of so the almost 70 percent almost 75 i think i mostly understand Stand generation z these yes. 20 somethings and younger Yes. But then you flip the question to Gen Z and ask, do you feel understood yes. by the older generation? about it? Majority says no. No. So 65% said no, we yeah. do not feel understood. So the adults. pie charts actually flipped between the two parties. Mm -hmm. Which mm -hmm. is very, very interesting. It is. I just... You know, it's it's an eye-opening thing, right? Like from the mm -hmm. older generation, like you feel like you understand them, but the uh, younger generation saying, no, you guys don't. I wish you could compare this to previous generations. So like our, yeah, us, you know, I millennials, mm -hmm. it seems to me that that would be a trend for a couple of generations that a lot of times younger people mm -hmm. at a certain place of life feel mm -hmm. misunderstood. Mm -hmm. It's almost like in a way, a natural part of being a teenager. Mm -hmm. How much of it is that? And how much of it is, this is the reality Mm -hmm. of generation Z today. Mm -hmm. And again, I think it's probably both. Yeah. I think there is a really big gap mm -hmm. between the cultural differences of these generations. Right. And there's a degree of just part of growing up is you go through phases where you do feel right. misunderstood. Right. And then, you know, my therapist put it as like, it's typical for the older generations to like crap on the younger generation. Yes. It's just like always right. has happened. Yeah. Um, but it's part of it due to the fact that like older generations are just typically as human natures, we're resilient to change. So, yes. So when you're resilient yes. to change, you don't understand what's going on in the today's world because yeah. the younger generations are more prone to like modern day society and with that mm -hmm. modern day culture. They're easier, they're quicker to grasp onto that like mm -hmm. newness mm -hmm. of things. Mm -hmm. Older generations are slower to change. Yes. So then there becomes this gap. And I think that become that gap is more evident today than it is before because of I things agree. like social media and, and so the information yes. is right in your face. Well, I think technology mm -hmm. is making change happen faster. Yes, absolutely. It's hard to keep up with. Mm -hmm. And I think these are all things that like most people know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I drew an arrow uh, pointing in the different directions between mm -hmm. Generation Z and older generations. And that's where we are currently. Mm -hmm. But really what needs to happen is that those arrows need to flip towards Come each together. other so then they can they can understand they can be understood and trying to create like more cohesive thing. Like I look at long term, right? Like, so what is the goal of this? The goal mm. of this is we want generation Z to be better than us to, yeah. cause yeah. that's who's yeah. taking yeah. over the world, right? Like in the future, like that's, who's going to lead that's this right. world for the future right. generation. So we need to equip them to be better than us. Can I show that quote about the floor? And the yeah, ceiling? absolutely. Please. Right. So I heard a, a talk that parents were giving about raising their children. And they said a phrase that sticks with me about my kids and about mm -hmm. the younger generation. They said their desire and goal and mindset was 
our ceiling is their floor. Yes. Okay. When you look at your kids, if you have children or young people in your family, when you look at the next generation, Gen Z, it ought to be the case that we are thinking our ceiling is their floor. Yes. We're here to build them up, to lift them up. Like we're hoping they go beyond us Mm -hmm. in what they, and who they are, who they become, what they achieve, um, all that good stuff. Like we want them to go further, Mm -hmm. not to hold them back, not to put them down. Right. But it seems like the trends statistically are saying we're doing the opposite. Exactly. Right. So how do we get there? So this is a great segue to the next thing that we want to talk about. It's like, how do we get there? Well, we came up with through our research and our survey results and our personal experiences, we came up with the 10 practical tips to leading generation Z. Um, and I think these 10 practical tips really like resonate with us in working with youth. And that's what we try to be. And these needs to be like super intentional mm-hmm. because it's like, you can kind of mm-hmm. sort of do these things, but it won't be as effective as yeah. you were if you were to do it intentionally. Yes. Do you want to talk about the first one? Totally. Number one, listen, dot, 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 really listen, Mm. (laughs) really listen. I read a quote by a Microsoft executive who said something to the effect of in today's world, continuous partial attention is the norm. Mm. Okay. Let that sink in. Continuous partial attention is the norm in our society. We're always only paying a little bit of attention. Rarely, if ever, 100% attention. Mm -hmm. This is one of the downsides of technology. Mm -hmm. This is where you have good reason sometimes for being skeptical Mm -hmm. of how much good it's doing, right? I'm not Mm -hmm. total down on on technology, and it is a tool. It's somewhat neutral. It depends on how you use it, but it's changing how we relate to each other. And um, there is so much power in somebody, whether it's a leader, a teacher, an instructor, a parent, who has the ability to give 100% attention to the person sitting in front of them. Mm. How often do you do that? How often do I do that? I'm embarrassed to say probably not nearly you know, as much as this I is why i love doing the podcast is because like it makes me listen because if yeah. i don't listen then podcast doesn't go it's true you know what i mean and i think that's what my draw is to the podcast is i get listen. to have authentic conversations with the people that right? i'm sitting across from yeah that's great yeah and to go off on that tech savvy thing one of the things that i wanted to mention was in one of the books that i read we used to be a split screen culture, you know, mm. like you used to have two screens and then you work on your up. I have this, in my office, mm-hmm. right? Computer, but Gen Z, TV, Gen Z has five screens <laughs> right in front of them on average. Wow. Think about it. So what does that include? That includes a tablet or a computer. Yeah. Tablet, or computer, your phone, your TV, TV phone, watch, system, watch. watch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So that's like, I can't wow. comprehend that. Like I would be so overwhelmed. Alexa over I, there on the Amazon yeah. dot. But that's the society that they're growing up in. You know, that stats is right. Like we crazy. have to be conscious of this. Yeah. In our own families and stuff and mm-hmm. our, and in our work. But the yeah. key is like why we say listen first is because yeah. if you don't show them how to listen and what it yeah. looks like, yeah. you won't get to yeah, really, they, right. what you're saying that is not effective. That's right. Right. So that's, that's key right. number one. Yeah. So that one took a long time. No, that's okay. Important. Number two, get to know them, learn what's important to them and why you won't do this without listening. 
it's without true. showing up, without spending time, asking questions. Mm-hmm. And um, think about how it feels if if there's something you value, you enjoy, you appreciate, and somebody just shoots it down. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that make you feel like, even if it's something trivial, like, dude, this is my favorite band. Like, they've changed my life. I just love the music. And somebody's like, they stink. Mm. You know, it's just kind of like a punch in the gut. Like, mm-hmm. so how, why, why would you think that teenagers would feel any different if mm-hmm. you just take everything Mm-hmm. that they enjoy and value and shoot it down. So learn mm-hmm. what they get to know what they appreciate, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, just get to know it right. and then understand why. Like, because there's so much you can learn of saying like, okay, Billie Eilish, I don't get her music at all. It's crazy. It's so weird. And she thinks about really weird stuff and some of the stuff I don't necessarily, you know, uh, agree with morally. But if I just shoot that down, what if I would ask the question, like, why do you think that that music speaks to you so much? Mm-hmm. You would learn so much about what, they're thinking and what yeah. they're going through. All right. Exactly. It's so true. I mean, like even in my hip hop classes, I think of like, yeah. I like old school hip hop versus their new school hip yeah. hop. Yeah. And I don't really understand it, but if there's a good beast that kid, I know the kids like, mm-hmm. I play it as like a warm up song and they get so hyped and they get into it. Like they get it. They get excited seeing you appreciate right. what they appreciate. Right. It doesn't mean that I appreciate it, but mm-hmm. they like it. So then it, there's no harm in playing that music. Mm-hmm. That's how you create that connection. Like it's small things like that. It is. Number three, lead by example. They value your actions more than words. So this is so key, right? Yeah. I mean, like the the super easy example I can think of is like the mom or the dad that's being on their phone and say, get off your screen. It's not as effective. If you yeah. really want your kids to get off the phone, show them the value of being off yes. the phone and having a genuine yes. conversation. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. My wife and I went out um, to Pine Barn uh-huh. a month ago for her birthday. And, um, we had our phones with us cause sometimes in our work, like we kind of have to be available if an emergency mm-hmm. comes up or something. So we usually take them with us like most people, but we took our phones <laughs> and we set them at like the other end of the table where we were sitting, mm-hmm. we just left them there the whole time. And our waitress was like, I, I hardly ever see people do that. That's so interesting that you guys like put your phones away from you mm-hmm. instead of just staring at them while you have a dinner. But have we ever done that? You know, as any mm-hmm. to people out there, are you going out? to spend time with somebody and half the time you're staring at your phone instead of being face to face with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I, I totally agree. So lead by example with the students yeah. you're working with. Number four, and this is like something I'm really always talking to the kids about is let them fail and help them and not do it for them in the process of getting back up. Yeah. Um, failure teaches you so many different lessons and, and as parents and adults, we can't always correct it for them, especially as they grow older. It's so important for them to learn how to get back on their feet and help them in that process instead of just doing it for them. So, you know, if they fail a project, don't redo it for them so they pass, but instead let them learn from that lesson and just kind of help them in getting their feet back up and help their mindset be eased. Like, hey, you failed, but you have another chance, that Mm kind of stuff. Um, So let them fail. Create opportunities for them to fail instead of always succeeding. Mm -hmm. I think that's really, really important. Uh, and number five, intentionally create learning opportunities. Don't give them the answers. Yes. Let them explore. Um, there's a story of the college professor that was mentioned in one of the books that we read. She took a totally unconventional approach. And I'm, I, I always get like pulled into unconventional approach because I find those to be super fascinating. This professor, instead of writing her own syllabus, you know, like first week of college or first day of college course, you get your syllabus, right? Instead of writing her own syllabus, she asked her class to write their own syllabus. Now, there are some non-negotiables like this university requires her to have final, to have midterm, 
and to have all these. So the syllabus was broken down into the super basic, basically what the university hands her and said, okay, the rest of the stuff, you guys figure it out. She was nervous about doing this. Of course, I think anybody would be. Uh, but the end result was that the syllabus that they came up with and the syllabus that she had in mind were very similar. But mm. the difference is the attendance of her class rose and the kids took ownership of it because it was something that mm -hmm. they created. So it's giving them the opportunity to come up with these things because they, yes. they take ownership and it means more to them that like it succeeded in increased attendance, increased yeah. attention span. It's crazy. You know what that approach takes? What? It takes trust. Yes. And belief. Yeah. To trust that these students you're working with mm -hmm. are capable right. of it and believing that they can do something mm -hmm. rather than just you spoon feeding it to them. Absolutely. And so that. And I giving them space to fail. Yeah. They might, they might mess up that syllabus it's a little true. bit. true. But it's they did true in that case. Yeah. And they did great. So it's just such, such a story that I heard in the book. I was That's like, cool. wow, it's very, very cool. Next bullet point. Teach them to communicate. Don't settle for one word answers. Some of the context that goes into this that was revealing to me when I learned about it was realizing that depending on the age of students you're working with, all of them are still growing mm. in their cognitive development and in their you know, relational social development. So there's a, there's a degree to which you can understand that sometimes you'll get a one word answer, not just because they're trying to be snarky or aloof or avoidant, although that can be the case sometimes, mm -hmm. but also like they're still growing in the capacity to articulate what they're feeling and thinking. Mm -hmm. So if you have a, suppose you have a 13 year old son or daughter and you ask them, how was your day? How was school? And you pretty much get the same answer every day. Good, good good some of that might be that they're deflecting but sometimes they're still learning how to even articulate what they're feeling mm. on the inside and mm. so give like grace to that to realize they're not going to always know how to say what they're feeling or feel comfortable but then then help challenge them to communicate more yeah and to go absolutely. deeper ask open-ended questions yes learn to ask open-ended questions and all these other points relate. If you're really listening and they know that you're somebody who listens, they'll be more willing to talk. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yes. So don't just put it on them. Put it on yourself of how can I create a better space to teach them mm -hmm. how to communicate. Mm -hmm. There you go. For sure. All right. So next point is embracing the change. Embracing the change. And I, I did want to circle back to this concept because earlier we just, we just talked about getting to know mm -hmm. this generation, what's important to them. Uh, and in, in a sense, embracing that. I, I, I think... There is a tension we deal with, a tension, okay, not a tension, a tension we deal with as adults in feeling morally responsible to help instruct and guide young people into the right way, mm. okay? And when you talk about culture, popular culture, learning what they like and what they, so often what some adults experience is like this, sometimes it's a disgust, sometimes it's a fear, sometimes it's a, wow, mm. like, what is some of the stuff going on in popular culture? And that's okay because frankly yeah there are some things in popular culture today that i think are are negative uh and there'll be varying opinions on mm -hmm. what that is what that looks like um but you you know you sometimes look at the movies they watch the games they play the music they listen to and it's like my goodness what is going on here mm. understand that as you are trying to relate to the next generation you don't have to agree with no. everything they see and all the values they have and all the things that they're getting into to still 
embrace and accept where they're at. Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that make sense? Absolutely. What I'm trying to get across? Like, Absolutely. because yeah, there's some things that I'm going to look at and say, you know what? That might not be the most positive influence in your life. But mm-hmm. if my approach is with a student I'm leading in youth group or you're working with at the gym, if my approach is just like, okay, everything that you value and that you enjoy is a bunch of crud and I think yeah. you should stop. They're not going to listen to you or care right. what you have to say. I think it's more important for them to come to that conclusion on their yes. own, if anything. Yes. And so it's our yes. job to equip them to make sure equip they make them right to make to those evaluate. Kind of decisions. Yes. Don't just make the decision for them. And exactly. I think that's what shuts them down. Right. It'd be like, oh, you know, everything on your music playlist is just a bunch of malarkey. Yeah. I'm trying to avoid expletives here. Right. <laughs> like, but <laughs> yeah. you know, we have this negative attitude towards everything that they do and value. Yeah teach them teach them to to evaluate their life ask them why you know i think about like you know this example of the book game of when the light bulb was invented before the light bulb was invented yes people slept over 11 hours and i think to myself like i can't imagine sleeping for that long let alone i don't remember the last time i slept 11 hours a night yeah you know but that was a change yeah i've heard a story of how in the future 10 Mm. 20 years from now 2007 is going to be looked at as a turning point in the century. Yeah. That's when the smartphone was introduced and mm-hmm. started to take over our lives. Mm-hmm. So, and, and to me, light bulb smartphone is yeah. going to have a similar, similar effect on our a society. Technological change yeah. that affected mm-hmm. society. Yeah. Especially when you look back to that 2007 yes. in the future. Right yes. now, I think it's still too close and too new to know for all. us to know all that. Yeah. But yeah. in the future, yeah. I think the historians we're going to see the positives and the negatives. There yeah. were positives and negatives to the light bulb, right? Yep. We exactly. sleep a lot less. Yeah, we uh, do. We're not going on the circadian rhythms that our bodies are naturally meant mm-hmm. to do. That kind of, but there's positives too, mm-hmm. of course. So yeah. So that was them. I'm sure that was their you, you know their time. Yes. They had to embrace that change. Yeah, yeah. It's our time to really embrace yeah. the change of like That's this right. is what's happening. That's right. So. D- Except that there will be tensions and differences between mm-hmm. generations and the changes that come and things that are valued uh, and navigate that. And, mm-hmm. and as parents, it's a little different, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're going to have a you're going to have your own values as a parent that you're trying to instill in your children Absolutely. versus maybe if it's someone that's not your child, but you're working with. There'll mm-hmm. be some different approaches and boundaries you'd set differently that you should and have mm-hmm. the responsibility to. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when you're talking to teenagers who are immersed in this world and it's a part of who they are and what their generation's about um embrace that and work with it for sure don't just push against it because for you sure. won't really get anywhere now the next point covers something that was brought up a lot in the survey entitlement and the attitude of gratitude has an inverse relationship so entitlement something that oftentimes when you talk about gen z it, it gets brought up a lot but what the book was talking about is when you when somebody has an attitude of gratitude, um, their entitlement goes down. Mm. But it's not just about, hey, be thankful. Hey, be grateful. Like yes. that doesn't teach them the attitude yes. of gratitude. It comes from experience. Yes. So it comes from experience of seeing people in the community with needs and getting them yes. involved in things like soup kitchens and food banks to be able to show them like, hey, like, you are lucky to have all this, mm. have, have a perspective. And it's important to have teach mm. them the perspective like, hey, your life isn't so bad. Like when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, yeah. you know, like you may be going through things and that's OK. But at the same time, recognize that you have more than enough. You are mm. very fortunate to be where you are. And so giving them that perspective to develop that attitude of gratitude is so important 
And again, that comes from an experience. The next point, the second to last is let them know that you care. This will create buy-in. There's a, there's a pretty well-known phrase that says people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You ever heard that? It's true. It's, it's pretty common and it's mm-hmm. just true. Like people mm-hmm. don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's especially true mm-hmm. of this generation that we're talking about, Generation Z. It's especially yeah. true. They value authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to authority, they have a different approach to yeah. authority very much so if you would if you would talk to previous generations especially even before ours hitty mm-hmm. before the millennials they, they, there was a time in our culture when authority was kind of unquestioned like if you had a title and a role that was your role and mm-hmm. you were everyone was expected to to follow that mm-hmm. in today's world it's very much with this generation like you have to earn mm-hmm. the respect you yeah. have to earn the authority position you have and whether you like that or agree with that or not as an adult it's the way it is yeah right. they will not respect you or follow you just because you have a title right you have to show them that you earned those credentials mm-hmm. uh by having integrity mm-hmm. by caring mm-hmm. um and by by showing that your heart is in this mm-hmm. role that you have mm-hmm. um that makes such a difference and it's very intangible but they can smell it from a mile away. Oh, like yeah. They just know if you're there mm-hmm. for them or if you're there to use them. Yeah. I mean, that ties really nicely into the last bullet point, which says your knowledge comes second to the relationship you're able to build with them. It's so true. You can yeah. be the most knowledgeable person in the world, but if you don't know how to relate and connect with these kids, they won't listen. Yeah. You know, I look at myself as like, I'm not the best dancer. I'm not the the most, you know, knowledgeable fitness professional, the strength and f- conditioning coach around. You're the best in my book though. No, <laughs> well, thank you. There. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. But the thing that I have going is I kind of understand yeah. how to connect and relate to these kids. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to give more of what I know to them yeah. through the relationships that I built with them. Yeah. The, the last thing you want to do as, the, as somebody who's trying to work with this kind of this generation and in and, and a, and a teacher position is only be able to teach them 10% of your knowledge because you weren't able to relate to them. Hmm. So then you have to really think in terms of how do I get to through to them more? And it's based at the bottom of the baseline. It comes down to, are you being able to develop a good relationship with them? Like mm-hmm. being able to understand them, bond over them and understand their mm-hmm. culture and the society they're growing up in. Yeah. So I think that ties up all of it. Now, just as a reminder, the 10 practical tips that we listed, listen, really listen, get to know and learn what's important to them. Lead by example. Um, They value your actions more than your words. Let them fail and help them uh, in the process of getting back up. Intentionally create learning opportunities. Don't give them answers. Let them explore. Teach them to communicate. Don't settle for one word answers. Embrace the change. Entitlement and attitude of gratitude has an inverse relationship. Let them know that you care. This will create buy-in. And your knowledge comes second to a relationship you're able to build with them. Now, it's if you look at this list, nothing here is new. Nothing mm-hmm. here is mm-hmm. like, wow, this is amazing. Everything we've listed is very, very basic. Yeah. Um, and, and something that like any of us can really practice and yeah. really like dig our teeth into. Mm-hmm. But it takes 
intentional practice of these skills to be able to connect and to lead the generation yes. that's coming well. Yeah. You have to care. You do. <laughs> yeah. And so the, as a result, if we're able to do all this, what ultimately we think will happen is that Generation Z will learn to how to communicate in person. I think that's really important. You know, going back to one word answers, Generation Z sometimes doesn't know how to communicate well. They'd rather mm. type how they're feeling and what mm. they're thinking than say it out loud. So we have to teach them the skill to be able to express that through their words mm. um, instead of just typing it on their phone. Mm. Um, if we were able to kind of get them to understand, they feel understood and heard, which is so important. Yeah. This generation of kids have a lot to say and a lot yeah. of important things to say. Yeah. But a lot of times they feel unheard and misunderstood yes. as shown in the survey results. Yes. Um, but if you were able to listen to them well and be able to make that connection, that's gonna, that trend's going to reverse yeah. and feel understood and heard. And most importantly, their values are going to become accepted. Um, their values are, you know, new and trendy and, and, and different from the older generations. And sometimes I feel they feel misunderstood in their values. Um, but really at the, at the core of human beings, like we all want our values to be validated and understood. And I think that's what they're looking for. For the older generations, if we listen really well. Uh, before we speak, I know we have a lot of thoughts and ideas yeah. to make, you know, what we want out of this generations. And I know that all of that is out of love, right? Like we want their generations to be better, to be good and to contribute to the society. But first, before we give instructions, instructions, we really, really need to listen. There's a prayer I've heard uh, yeah. by someone named Francis, St. Francis of Assisi. Uh -huh. People might be familiar with this. I think it's very relevant for anyone, whatever their yeah. perspective is. Um, but it, part of the prayer goes, help me to help me seek more to understand than to be understood hmm. more to love than to be loved hmm. more to listen than to be listened to that. Hmm. Yeah. I'll look up the full quote, but that something like that really well. Yeah. will will resonate for sure. Um, it's hard to do. It is. You have to be sacrificial. Yeah. You have to put other people first for sure. You know? Um, but it will allow you to understand Gen Z's values and you will be able to put more emphasis on meaningful relationship with them. And the key thing I think the older generations are missing right now is they feel like, you know, they don't have the opportunities to teach and pass on the values that they have. And I think they tried to do like kind of cram them in. Um, in the way they interact with them. But instead, if you're able to form these relationships, those things can happen naturally. And that's what we're really encouraging people to do. Um, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, like we're not an expert in this field by any means. We just have our personal histories of working with kids and stories that allows us to connect and have a passion for working with the next generations. And so... We want to share a little bit of our stories to tie this whole together because obviously this comes from something. We didn't just mm -hmm. pick up a, you know, we didn't just draw a stick and say, all right, this is what we're going to be passionate about. No, it really comes from a heart in yeah. a sense of like how others have shaped our lives and how we hope to do something similar in that yes. aspect. Um, yes. Want to go ahead and share yours? Yeah. Yeah. I'll try to be succinct here because I think I think your story Hitty is is even more just so on point with everything we're talking about it, it, it's it's and it's powerful for me and probably a lot of our community members to hear if they haven't heard a little bit of mm. like what your journey has been to understand like why you do what you do right for me 
I think about how some of the most pivotal things in my development happened when I was a teenager in groups where I had like really good relationships with adults who mm. cared. Um, you know, so I became really active in my church's youth group. Um, and going from maybe a lot of my life being a really shy, uh, quiet kid who didn't have a real high view of myself, high self-esteem, but I had a lot to offer. I just didn't know it. Mm. And being put in a place where it was safe and I was accepted, I was, I was valued for who I was. I was demonstrated where to find love and grace and purpose by adults who, um, you know, weren't trying to fit me into their box, but were just offering their presence, their wisdom, their experience, giving me the chance to learn and grow in my faith and in my, my life. That was sort of one of the most pivotal things in putting me to where I am today. Mm. I had mentors, I had teachers, I had people, you know, my church and my community that just, I didn't know that's what they were doing, you know? And I'm not even sure if at times they knew. Mm. They just were influencing me because of their presence mm. and their caring. Um, I can't even overestimate how influential that was to who I am today. Mm. And just two people I think of, you know, my pastor at the time, who is now my father-in-law, Emily's oh, okay. dad. Yeah, <laughs> like he's the reason I'm a pastor today. Mm. <laughs> he saw things in me that I didn't see in myself and gave me opportunities where he trusted me and believed in me enough to give me a place where I could have failed. <laughs> mm. I probably did, but I could grow. I could have experience. Uh, and another person I think of is a, a lady, you know, at the church at the time who was an elderly woman, huge generational gap between us. You know, I was probably like 15 or 16. She was in her 70s mm. because of going on a mission trip together with our church. Um, for, for a couple years after that, I had the practice with another teenager in the youth group of, of regularly going to her house to help take care of her lawn and her garden. And over the summer, we'd work there all morning to do some things that she was having trouble getting done. And then she'd feed us and tell mm. us stories. Like that was such an unlikely relationship to form, but that gave me a connection to the older generation mm. that changed how I get, how I viewed myself and how I viewed the community. So I, there's just so many situations like that, that I guess showed me the power of relationships and mentoring mm. younger generations that we can tap into that I know affects me today. Mm. How about your story? Well, I mean, the listeners have heard, all heard of Peter Reed's name and have been kind of mentioned it several times, but really... You know, in today's day and age, you know, I'm, I'm filling out these paperwork for a volunteering coaching position at the high school. And one of the things that you have to go through is mandated, mandated reporting. Mm. Right. So like if the kid is suicidal or something like yes. that, they're supposed to report. Yes. You know, looking back, the fact that he didn't do that. I don't know if that was a thing back then. Mm. Um, I think it's fairly recent that a lot of those laws. Have yeah. But, the, you know, I'm not strict advocating against it or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. When I truly expressed how I feel, like Peter just listened. He was he didn't rush to the decisions. He didn't rush to anything. He just took the time to sit down and listen to me. And that made a huge difference. You know, he heard and every time I sat down, there was a calmness about him that just like I knew he was listening and he was taking in every single word and he empathized empathized with me. That that feeling of empathy is so important. And, and, and it comes from listening, right? Because if you don't listen, you can't empathize with somebody. Yeah. And he took the proper steps of like leading me to the right path. Like he, he didn't 
try to get me into do things that I wasn't ready for. He knew yeah. what I was ready for. And he just kind of showed me he one step at a time and, and showed me that he cared and he loved you. Like the words doesn't mean anything if your yes. actions doesn't match it. But yes. he showed me through that. He showed me a way to leadership. He showed me how to get involved. He showed me how important it is to have a circle of people who you can disclose and, and comfortably share because it was, you know, it was confidential in the, in the group setting. Mm-hmm. And he, he developed somebody that was struggling to use, use your experience to lead others. He showed me all those ropes, you know, and that is so important. And then I, I think that's what I relate to all these points that we mentioned, because that's yes. exactly what I did, what he did to me. Yes. And, and that, connection didn't happen right away like as i was Mm -hmm. preparing this presentation that wasn't even a thought but then i look back at all the bullet points that we listed i'm like he did all of that Uh he did all of that and getting me out of the darkest place of my life to kind of like turning my life around and giving me almost a mission for my life you know to to want to be like him in the setting that god has blessed me with Mm. and so when i look back at this i think i see peter in it you know, and then yeah. that's somebody that I will never, ever forget. And is he like I'm a guidance counselor or a teacher? He was actually, his title was school psychologist. Wow. But he was way okay. more than that. Wow. Um, but so I, I didn't even to know. to be in a school in that time that had yeah. that kind of you know, right. person there, that kind of role there. That's yeah. Awesome. And I didn't even know that was his title. Yeah. He was just, he was just Peter. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's yeah. probably the best scenario where you yeah. didn't. You didn't think of him as the title. And this is how person. casual he was is, you know, I call him Dr. Reed. Even in the first meeting, and I, and and and, and I continue to call him, and he's like, "No, call me Peter, yeah. call me Peter," and I will never forget that. That's that's him, his way of saying like, "No, I want to connect with yes. you on human basis. It's not this barrier. Let's not right. let's break down this barrier because I want to get to know." I'm not you. just here because it's my job. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. So listeners, I know this was a really long podcast. Uh, thank you for sticking with us, and I hope that you took something away from this presentation. Um, I will try to make the slideshow available to the public somehow. Yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Pastor, thank you for collaborating with me on this event. It's been great. Looking forward to sharing more and learning more about it. For sure. Um, I found this full prayer if you want me to share it. Yeah, go ahead. Let's end it that. Yeah, work, go for it. This is this is the prayer. You can Google it. It's called the Prayer of St. Francis. A lot of you might be familiar with it. I think it has a lot of value to, mm. to all of us listening. Sure. But let me share it with you. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Hmm. On that note, we'll leave you to it. Thank you, Pastor, for joining the podcast. And, uh,